Welcome here. Greet them in the name of the Lord. continue worshiping through song. We invite you to join us as we sing.
grace when the heart is under fire. Another way when the walls are closing in. When I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning, I know I will never be alone. There was another in the fire. Standing next to me was another in the waters, holding back the sea. Should I ever need reminds how I've been set free? There is a cross that bears the burden. Another died for me. There is another in the
can go ahead, go ahead and have a seat. We'd like to invite all the preschoolers or the children up to age preschool to come over to Miss Lori for Children's Church. Come on over. And as you guys go, my little friends, may you grow in grace and in the love of Jesus Christ. Morning, Watershed. We've got all kinds of life. I love this. So I know a couple of weeks ago when I said, you know, school was coming and I got booed. Um, the nice thing that happens when school comes, though, is like, look around. There's like life again, right? We're not like in 15 million different places over the summer, which is fun with summer, right? Is doing all kinds of things going on vacations, having fun with our family, going to way too many sporting events, um, right, parents? Uh, kids are like, no, there's not enough! <laughs> no, it's, it's good to be with you, though, this morning. It's good to be back together. Uh, I'm really grateful for Luke stepping in a couple weeks ago, preaching for the first time. He did an awesome job. First time, I, first time ever preaching. I know he's, he's not here this morning, but... Um, praise God for the courage to step into that. Um, I still get nervous every Sunday morning. I've been doing this for nearly 20 years now, and it's still nerve-wracking. And so to do that, i um, really thankful for Corey to step in, getting to know him a little bit last week. Uh, it's a joy. Um, there's been another joy that I've had this summer, and that is, Ellie, wave your hand, is being able to work with Ellie. Ellie is, um, took on an internship uh, when Zach was preparing to leave, found out Zach was leaving, and then decided she would stay on. Um, I, that was just crazy, because that might, you had to deal with me. Um, but I think it was Matt who allowed her to have the sanity to stay on. But, uh, you know, she has served faithfully over the summer, found out, um, you know, she was going to be going to Cornerstone. God had different plans, and this week she's heading off to Northern. Uh, I tried to offer gas money to come back from Northern every week. Uh, turned me down, so uh, I'll forgive you for that. However, uh, can we thank Ellie for stepping in? <laughs> Ellie, I know I can speak for Matt as well. Um, we're proud of you. Uh, it's been a joy to have you with us, to spend time with you. Um, to see your gifts and abilities uh, just continue to grow, and they're only going to grow. Um, but know that this community of faith supports you uh, and goes with you. So with that being said this morning, let's go to our God in prayer. God, thank you uh, that you're standing there with us in the middle of life, that you're celebrating along with us in the, in the joys, in the the mountaintop experiences, the places where life feels right and good and things seem to be going well. We celebrate that, you know, we've had this, we have this beautiful state of Michigan uh, and the freedoms we have in this country to be able to, Lord, travel and take vacations for our jobs that provide for that, to, for the opportunity to slow down a little bit in life in some ways, even though at other times it feels like maybe summer gets a little more crazy. But thank you for times that families have been able to get away, that people have been able to find 
vacation rest that we have the beauty of creation to go experience and things we can do in the summer that oftentimes you can't do when it's kind of bitter cold outside. I mean, there's other things then, but Lord, uh, the opportunities we have. Thank you for school, Lord, and education. I know not everybody, uh, maybe some of the students are excited, but not every student is, you know, totally ready to go back. But God, education is a privilege uh, to be able to learn, learn um, skills and abilities to learn uh, wisdom and truth that will will go with us. Uh, Lord, thank you that we have the schools that we do. And I mean, in this room, we have represented a multitude of schools in our West Michigan community. And so, Lord, I want to pray for all of our students as they're getting ready to go back to school this week and the next week. God, I pray for our teachers who have already been back in the building preparing rooms and uh, lesson plans for the administration trying to continue to manage um, COVID concerns and what are we going to do and all of those other questions as we know we're not through this pandemic. Lord, for the way that they, they pour into our students and to their lives for counselors, for coaches, as sports teams have already started picking up. God, I, I pray for this time of transition for college students as they're stepping off into new places uh, Lord, as they're meeting new people and starting new relationships, um, as some are going back, uh, getting ready to finish maybe a final year to step into the, the reality of, of life beyond college. Lord, uh, continue to walk with them, continue to show your goodness in your life. Lord, and may we as a, a church community, as Watershed, um, as Hardawike as a whole, continue to just be a safe place. Um, for our students, for our teachers, our administrators, Lord, and continue, again, just to show your life and your love through all of that. Lord, as we've said, too, you're a God who is there through the fire. Um, this week, Lord, our hearts mourn with the Watkin family, the sudden loss of Josh and the accident that occurred. Father, um, there's no way to answer what that, the why question in that. Death is not in your plans. It came through the result of sin, that first sin. Lord, and uh, it breaks hearts. It leaves with empty holes in our hearts, in our lives. So we just continue to pray for Amy and the kids and the rest of the Watkins family that are part of our um, church family here at Hardawike. God, that you would continue to just comfort their hearts. That you would honor the, the promise that you have in the scriptures that you are near to the brokenhearted. You are close to those who are crushed in spirit. Uh, we continue to pray that um, for Norlin and Cheryl, Lord, in the loss of their nephew, Evan. Lord, and we thank you for the celebration of his life earlier this week. And the many lives that have been touched through him and pray especially for uh, Kendra and Lord, that unborn baby that she has as she steps into an incredibly new and different time of life. And again, a tragic loss, Father, that we can't make sense of. However, Lord, the one thing we can make sense of in death is that you rescue from death. That Evan, God, has been rescued from death. 
that Josh has been rescued from death. We know that because Jesus was raised to life and and in Christ we've been raised to life as well. And so may that hope continue to be a hope that carries and strengthens and gives life. God, we continue to lift Sam up to you. And Lord, uh, we've been asking for a miracle for what seems to be a long time. God, and and I know for for their family, this has been a long journey. One that I can't even comprehend. But God, please, please, bring your healing. Lord, thank you again for how you have just crafted his heart, his life, the resilience in his spirit that, Lord, somehow he's been able to know you and hold on to you in the midst of all of this. What a testimony in the middle of the fire. But Lord, it's not right that he has to go through this. So please bring your healing. Lord, we look at Afghanistan. We know that there, it's a state that is in just turmoil. We know that those who are Christians especially are in utter fear for their lives. Lord, and so we pray that your strength, that your life, your resilience would be with them as they walk through that fire, that brothers and sisters in, in the country of Haiti, as they endure, Lord, the, the cleanup of the, just the mess, the turmoil they've been in, not only from natural disasters, but political mess and involved with all of that as well. God, keep working. It's just a reminder again over and over that there is junk in our lives. There's things left and right. There are hardships and trials. What would we do, God, if we didn't know you were with us? Where would we go? It's hard enough even when we know you're there. So, Lord, show your goodness. Show your life in the middle of it. Show us that you are there in the fire with us. God, and as we hear your word today, as part of the message, just being reminded you're there with us in the midst of the times where the rubber meets the road, where we're facing trials. Lord, show us through your spirit the power of that and help us too to continue to live lives of character and integrity as we walk in those spaces. And when we don't, Lord, when we make mistakes, God, that we have the courage to own up to them as well, to live your forgiveness out, which is also a testimony to your goodness. So God, speak during this time this morning. Speak through your word. It's yours. It's your words to us. Transform our hearts. Change our lives, Lord. Through your spirit, your power, and your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are getting there, folks, in our Acts series. We started this series just after Easter. How crazy is that? We counted this week. It will be 23 weeks long. Almost half a year. Like, whew. I don't know about you. It kind of feels like a little bit of a marathon. And I'll be honest with you. These last chapters are kind of like Paul's life lived over and over. It's, it's like living the same thing, deja vu, over and over again. And, and so there's this unique challenge as a preacher is how do you see, like, what are the messages that are consistent? But what is that unique thing that God's trying to tell us in each of these scripture passages? So not only do you have that, but then this morning we have Acts chapter 23 and 24. So I hope you're ready for the next three hours. Totally kidding. We're not going that long. <laughs> but as we, uh, as we prepare, as we think about the message today, in Acts 23 and 24, 
I couldn't help but think about the times in our life where the rubber meets the road, right? And that phrase comes from that, the reality of, right, when an idea becomes a reality or when things get real, right? It, it, when the rubber meets the road, now, it, it, what you thought about is a reality. It's real. And in Paul's life, Right, we, we heard of, uh, a few weeks ago that he knew he was going to Jerusalem and he knew that he was probably going to face some hardships. Well, guess what? It's now real. Right? He faced adversity. He faced trial. And oftentimes the thing about these when the rubber meets the road moments, these adversity moments, these challenging moments, it tells us a lot about our character. This quote from John Maxwell, who's a, a leadership guru, preaches on, teaches on leadership, helps organizations, churches. He says this, adversity is a crossroads that makes a person choose one of two paths, character or compromise. Right? How will I show up in the adversity? Will I, will I be the person that I hope to be, I want to be? Will I be a person of, of character, integrity in the face of it all, or will I compromise? Every time he chooses character, he becomes stronger, even if that choice brings negative consequences. This, this quote hit me this week because Paul, this morning we'll hear, chooses character. He chooses a clear conscience, as we'll hear in the scripture, before God and mankind, before other people. And it costs him. It doesn't get him out of the fire. It doesn't get him out of jail. In fact, it keeps him further ingrained in it. But in the choice for character, in the choice of being able to keep his conscience clear, for some reason he continues to be able to navigate life. And God's goodness, the gospel, continues to work out through him, in him, to touch other people's lives. So as we think about that, let's go to chapter 23. We're going to listen to part of chapter 23 as well as part of 24. We'll pick up in verse 1. So Paul has been under arrest now. Um, people had thought he was agitating the, the uh, temple. And so he's on trial now before the Sanhedrin, the religious governing body. So Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I've fulfilled my duty that word duty means citizenship. So I've fulfilled my citizenship, my responsibilities, my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. Now they've put it, pulled him up because they think he's a rabble rouser, right? They've pulled him up because they think he's an agitator. So what happens next? They think he's lying. At this, the high priest Ananias ordered that those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. That's an act that would say you're either blaspheming God Right? You're either speaking poorly about God or you're lying. So Paul gets smacked across the face and Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. Woo! Right? You sit there to judge me according to the law, yet yourself you violate the law by commanding that I be struck. He quotes actually the prophet Ezekiel. How dare you strike me? I've told the truth and you're calling me a liar. Well, those who were standing near Paul said, how dare you insult God's high priest? Paul replied, brothers, I didn't realize that he was the high priest. For it's written, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. So wait a second. He doesn't 
understand who the high priest is, probably because Ananias, he's not dressed in his garb. And, and Paul hasn't been to, to Jerusalem for a long time, so he doesn't know this man at all. Right? So he doesn't know it's the high priest. And in that, gets slapped, so he calls out rightly, hey, you're wrong for doing this. However, Paul is able to turn on the dime because he knows the truth that, listen, you're still, whether or not you agree with the person who's in the office, you still respect the office. Ooh, that's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day, folks. <laughs> but here's Paul. It's in Scripture. And he turns on a dime. And he says, I didn't realize. He can respect the office all while still understanding the person in it isn't right. In essence, repents of it. Something to think about as we think about keeping our conscience clear this morning. How do we show up in adversity? I don't know about you. I want to fight. Somebody slaps me. We're going. <laughs> and yet Paul turns on a dime. Let's continue. Verse 6, then Paul. Now, <laughs> you got to listen to the brilliance of Paul right here. Then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees, so one of the religious group, right, and the others were Pharisees, called out in the Sanhedrin, my brothers, I'm a Pharisee, descended from Pharisees, I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. Now this is fighting words between the Sadducees and the Pharisees. So he said, when he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. So pretty crafty, isn't it? He knows their truth and the different truths that exist in the room. However, he knows the truth of God, and he can take the truth of God and create a little dissension, and he's like, I'm no longer the lightning rod for your problems. <laughs> right? The story continues, right? It, the dispute breaks out. They're divided. The Sadducees, they say there is no resurrection and that there are neither angels nor spirits, but Pharisees believe all of these things. There was a great uproar, and some of the teachers of the law who were Pharisees stood up. They argued vigorously. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. Wait a second, this agitator, who they were just a moment ago ready to kick out, we find nothing wrong with him. Right, he's with us. <laughs> what if a spirit or an angel had spoken to him? They believed that was possible. They didn't necessarily have to believe that Jesus was real, but it is possible Jesus could have talked to him. Right? Because that solidifies their theological point. He's with us. Now the dispute became so violent that the commander now, this Roman commander, was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them. Right? He's ours. No, he's ours. So not now a, we're going to tear him to pieces because we have a common enemy. But now, no, we want to kill him. No, he's part of us. Like, he's going to be stuck in the middle. This commander takes him out. He ordered the troops to go down, take him away from them by force, and then to bring him into the barricades. The following night, the Lord then stood near Paul, said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. So Paul here again is reminded of that great truth that God was with him in the middle of the storm. Like we heard uh, in some chapters, when he, chapters ago when he was in Corinth, the same thing happened. God came through a vision and reminded him to, to hold true, hold fast, have courage, because I am with you. Right, as we think about living 
a clear conscience, living in the midst of the challenge, the adversity, where we don't give on our character, we don't compromise, what does it take to stand in that moment? We'll dive into that a little bit more in just a minute. But you look at this situation, this setting, right? Paul is then brought into the jail, into the barracks, and and he's taken care of. What happens next in chapter 23 is we hear that Paul actually has a sister and a nephew. It's kind of cool. You don't hear much about the stories of their family, but if we read close, his nephew becomes aware that there's a plot of 40 men at least that have taken a vow that they will not eat until Paul is dead. Woo! That's some serious stuff, right? Well, the nephew finds out about it, goes tells Paul. Paul tells the, the, the person in charge of him, the jailer, go bring him to the commander. Let them know, I'm a Roman citizen. By now they had figured out he's a Roman citizen. And they're like, this can't happen. They know this is a theological argument. This isn't really a Rome, Roman citizenship issue, but he's a Roman citizen, so we're going to stand on his behalf. And, and the Jews and the Romans, they, you know, it just gets really messy. But nonetheless, the word goes to the commander, and the commander goes, well then, hey, for his safety, we need to take him to Caesarea to Felix, which is more of a central governing location of Rome. And that way he'll be protected. So under the guard of, a, of, of the forces, they lead him out in the middle of the night, so the 40, they don't know what's going on. He then comes to Felix. And he stands trial, and, and some of the religious leaders followed along, and they gave their spiel. They said he was an agitator. They, they spouted the lies. They manipulated, which he wasn't. He actually came to the temple, by the way, to do religious, a religious duty. When he had come to Jerusalem, the religious leaders there of the church, James and others, said, hey, the Jewish Christians are concerned that you've given up on the law. Would you be willing to go fulfill your vows at the temple to show them that you haven't necessarily given up on the law? We know you're not bound by the law, and we're not bound by the law, but, but the law still is an important part. And Paul's like, yeah, I'll do that so they know I'm with them, not against them. And in fact, they said, will you pay for these other four young men who, who need to make some vows, which then would require making some sacrifices? And he said, sure. And it wasn't until when he went into the temple, he was worshiping God, not agitating some Jewish believers from Asia who had started all the mess in Asia, which is Turkey. Remember Ephesus and some of those places? They saw him there. They were the ones who were the agitators. Some of the 40 who wanted to take his life. Right, so Paul has had a clear conscience. He now stands before Felix. And let's hear what he says. My accusers, he said, my accusers didn't find me arguing with anyone at the temple, stirring up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city. And they cannot prove to you the charges they're now making against me. However, I admit this. I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way. They had called him a follower of the Nazarene, but Paul specifically says, no, I'm a follower of the way. This is the real way. This is Jesus that I follow, a follower of the way which they call a sect. See, I believe everything that is in accordance with the law and that's written in the prophets. So again, he's reminding Felix, this is a theological conversation. 
I believe something different about what we believe. This is between us. And he had already won that argument in with Rome multiple times before. Goes on to say, you know, and, and with this, right, I've had the same hope in God as these men themselves have. That there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. And what do we hear again in verse 16? So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. I strive always to keep my conscience clear. Right? In the middle now where he's been moved up the chain as he's been pushed along, right? The affliction, the challenges haven't gotten less for him. In fact, to go in front of Felix is, there's a lot more options on the table. But death is as much a reality as it was with those in the Sanhedrin. What is he able to do? He's able to tell the story the way the story went. Right? A clear conscience gives us that ability, doesn't it? To go, yeah. No, mom, I didn't take a cookie as I'm, you know, brushing off the crumbs on my face. It's kind of hard to prove your innocence if you did it. No, mom, I didn't drink from dad's alcohol cabinet, right? I can smell it, dummy. The importance of a clear conscience, right? My story is, like with integrity, I did what I said I did. And I did it even for Paul. I did it in the manner in which it was intended to be done. Even when I get slapped across the face and that's wrong and I call out the person who did it, I still respect an office. It gets kind of messy sometimes, but I still respect an office. And I find out the one who I called out is somebody I need to respect, even though I may not respect him. I, I can turn on the dime and ask for forgiveness for that. Oh. Wow. When your life is on the line, when the rubber meets the road. I just wonder this morning, how do you tend to show up when the rubber meets the road? When things get real, who are you? What happens? This week, as you think about this question, where are the moments where you go, you know what, I'm being the person I do want to be, right? When I'm facing some chat, I'm showing up the way that I know I want to show up. I want to be, I'm being that person. Where are the other times? What does it look like when you're not? What are the other things that call us to compromise? As I put the picture of the drag racing, it reminded me too of like NASCAR. And the famous phrase in NASCAR, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Right? There are a lot of ways that we, we will compromise. I make compromises, right? All throughout chapter 22, 23, 24, you see people left and right. The commander who protected Paul was also willing to flog him almost to death that's when he found out he was a Roman citizen. And they was like, whoa! But the letter he writes to Felix makes it sound like he protected Paul. Oh, he had found out early on he was a Roman citizen. Right, he compromised the truth. But Paul, the only one, stands in truth in the middle of it all. He can retell this story. Who are we when the rubber meets the road? And if our character then is revealed in especially times of adversity, in challenge, why is it important? Why, does it, why is it important that the way that our conscience is clear, like, that we live in a way that your conscience is clear before God and others? I mean, I look at Paul, and the reality is, 
when he stands up to tell the story, he's telling the truth. At one point in time, he actually says, where are my accusers? Right? Those who were around him could never keep their story straight because that's the thing with a lie, right? <laughs> you tell a lie, it, it just happens, you get found out. Why? Because it wasn't real, so we tend to tell the story over and over again in all kinds of different ways. But Paul could tell the story in the way that mattered. And what happens is it ends up at least garnishing Felix's protection. Paul stays and remains in jail, but he isn't handed back over to the Sanhedrin. He hasn't given up to the 40 who have made that vow to kill him. Right? Who are we in these moments? Another uh, quote that I thought about in light of this was from Michael Josephson. He's a, a lawyer in, in, in regards to that, not just a lawyer, but he talks about ethics. And he teaches on ethics. He says this, People of character do the right thing, not because they think it will change the world, but because they refuse to be changed by the world. I thought that was a pretty powerful statement. Not that I think I'm going to change the world. Paul didn't say the truth. He didn't act with integrity and character because he thought this was somehow going to change the world. It's this, he refused to be changed by the world. Right? He knew the gospel. He knew the truth that he was going to hold on to. He knew the God who said, I am with you. Right? We go back to chapter 23 and we hear this in verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage. Right? As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Not only was God with him, but he saw and knew that God still had a purpose in the midst of all of this crazy, in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the challenge. He could see that because God hadn't left him, God also was going to work all things, as the end of Romans 8 says, work all things to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Right? This is what allowed him to not be changed by the world, not to compromise, not to give. Because he knew the one who had him and held him. I don't know about you, but that's what would give me a foundation to stand upon. To know that God is with me, that God has my back, no matter what I'm facing in the adversity. No matter what it is that I'm going through. Not only this, he would have known this story. Jesus sends out the 70 or the 72, depending on who you listen to. But in Matthew, Matthew 10, Jesus actually says, this is going to happen what Paul experiences. He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, therefore be as shrewd as snakes, as innocent as doves. I love this because this is Paul in verse 6 of chapter 23 with the Sanhedrin. He's as shrewd as a snake. He's as crafty as a snake. He knows the truth of everybody in the room. He knows the truth of God and he can take the truth of God and disrupt all the little truths in the room. Right? And what did it do? It took all of the heat off of him. Jesus actually goes, yeah. Know what you know. Right? Know the truth, but also know the truth of those around us. And in that, be as gentle as a dove. Paul, what's he do? Right? He, he repents of offending the high priest. He's not sitting there going, let's fight back. Let's push back. No, he's acting as a person of peace. And at that 
and we continue on in verse 17. Be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils flogged in the synagogues. Jesus says, this is what's going to happen as a follower of me. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what, you, what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your, your Father speaking through you. Right? Not only does he know that God is with him, but he knows the power of the Holy Spirit that we've been talking about all through this devoted Acts series. The Holy Spirit that is the power, the presence, the peace of Jesus that lives and dwells within us when we believe in Christ. And Jesus promises that this Spirit, even when we don't have the words to say, will give us the ability to speak when we're in the middle of the adversity. So not only is God with us when the rubber meets the road, but he will empower us to stand in those moments as well. I don't know about you this morning, but that's good news to me. Not only God doesn't leave me alone, doesn't go, well, I don't know, I'll be there when, when everything looks pretty. Right? That's, that's not the God that we believe in. And that God will even help me say things I don't even know myself. I mean, I, I know some of the truth, and I might know some other people's truth, and I might know how to engage, but there may be times where I'm going to have to speak, speak something, and I didn't even know I knew what I knew. Have you all ever had that happen? You're like, did that just come out of my mouth? Right, that's a goodness of God and the Holy Spirit in our lives. Celebrate those moments. Thank God for those moments. That's his wisdom working in and through. But see, Paul's not done because when we think about integrity and we think about his character, he talks a, about this with the, Roman, or the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 1.12. He says this. Now this is our boast. This is what we're... We're, we're all about our conscience, here it is again, our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relationships with you with integrity, the word here also means holiness, so in rightness and godly sincerity. So not only have we done the right thing, we've done it with the right heart. We have done so what? Relying not on worldly wisdom but on God's grace, on his unmerited favor, his unearned love, which is him speaking for us when we ourselves don't know how to speak. It's him giving us that memory to remember the truth we know. It's him helping us understand the truth that exists in other people's lives. But at the end of the day, even when I make mistakes, like Paul who caused, unintentionally calls out the high priest in the office, he turns on a dime. Guess what? That also reflects God when we can turn on a dime and say, I'm sorry, forgive me. Even when we seek forgiveness, it shows the goodness of God. What goes on to happen in this story, even though Felix protects him by keeping him in jail, Felix and his wife often then go to visit him for periods of time after, and they talk about faith. And Paul has an opportunity to witness to him. We don't know what happens in all of that. We don't know what we do know when it got uncomfortable for Felix and his wife. They'd leave Paul. And after the uncomfortable nature of it kind of wore off, they'd come back and talk some more. And then Paul would talk some more. And that's, that's what the gospel does. It kind of confronts it, makes us uncomfortable sometimes. 
make him uncomfortable again, they walk away until Felix gets kicked out and a new governor comes in, Festus, and then Paul sits in jail for two more years. Oh, yeah, yeah, and we'll pick up the story later there. But the thing that gives Paul and gives us, offers us the ability to show up in the moment is people with clear consciences, people of integrity and character. To do what we said we'd do, when we'd said we'd do it, in the manner in which it was intended to be done. It's the grace of God. It's the presence of God. It's the power of God. It's the wisdom of God. It's the work of God in us when we give way to that work. As we think about that this morning, and it's a little longer question, but bear with me in it. How does knowing the truth that God is with you and will give you whatever is necessary in the moments of adversity give you hope that when the rubber meets the road, you might actually be able to be the person you want to be and God wants you to be? Right in those moments of adversity and challenge, that God's presence, his wisdom, whether it's stuff that he's gifted you with, the knowing of, already or it's words you yourself don't even know you know he'll equip you for that time he'll forgive you if you make mistakes in the moment and that can in itself be a witness to others when we own those mistakes you've heard me say this before integrity isn't just being perfect integrity is also owning up when we aren't we live in a world where often we don't take responsibility for our failures we brush it off we push it off but we can show God's goodness when we take responsibility as well. How does that equip us? How does that help us show up in life and be people of character, keeping a clear conscience? See, the good news is I believe in the God who gave Paul that capacity and gives it to each one of us. He didn't just dole it out to Paul because he knew he was going to Rome and that was only that circumstance. Every one of us, as we show up, God is living in, dwelling in through his spirit and wants to gift us with the same firm foundation on which to stand, the same hands that can hold us, and the same wisdom to show up as well in those moments. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are, like with Paul, with us in those moments, especially of challenge and adversity. God, those are the tough moments. I mean, there are plenty of other moments, and, and character isn't only defined in those rubber meets the road moments those challenges however it does reveal a lot about who we are lord and i don't know about others in the room i'm just going to talk for about me for a moment lord of i know a lot of times I, i'm i'm willing to let other people's sin towards me permit me to sin on back <laughs> When someone wants to fight me or accuse me of something that I wasn't or, or somebody wants to speak poorly about me, I, I, I can justify fighting back, throwing the mud right on back. Lord, there are plenty of times where, God, I've, I've shrunk in the moment. I haven't stood. I haven't, I haven't spoken the truth. Remain silent. Now, the goodness, Lord, is you, you offer us forgiveness. We're not defined by those moments with you. All we have to do is actually rely on you, put our faith in you, and repent. Lord, just say, God, forgive us and help us 
Help me in those moments again. Help me in the next moment. And the beauty is, Lord, you want to do that. You tell Paul you're with him. You tell us you're with us. You give Paul the words to say. You'll give us the words to say. You'll help us remember a truth that needs to be spoken that might disrupt those around us, because that's what the gospel does. It, it doesn't necessarily make us, un- or make us comfortable. It, in fact, can make those who are comfortable quite uncomfortable. Yet, however, Lord, in that, when we have character and integrity, Lord, we can stand, we can speak the truth. People can see in us the quality of your gospel. They can see more clearly who you are. So God, work that in us. Paul understood that who he was was as much of a witness as to what he said. May our actions and our words represent you. And again, Lord, when we've failed, help us to take responsibility for it, to get up and go again. Because your grace gives us the space to do that. Your love, your forgiveness, your mercy helps us walk again. So Lord, again, thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for your word and for your life in Christ Jesus. Pray this in his name, all God's children said. We invite you to stand as we close with song.
Folks, go with that peace, that strength today. Go standing on that foundation as you enter the rest of today and this week. God's got you. He's with you. His spirit lives and dwells. His power, presence, and peace lives within you. Receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you, be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smile upon you, and give you that very peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's children, it's it. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.